Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. We're going to be talking, or I'm going to be preaching on hallowed be thy name, which fits in very nicely with what we just sang. One verse, Luke chapter 11, verse 3. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, I'll read down through. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Father, Lord God, as we come this evening, we have sung, O God, about Your holiness. That You are the holy and righteous God who sends us out into the world. And You have done that. And You have promised us victory in Jesus Christ. And so now, Lord, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that Christ has taught us to pray, we ask that You would open our hearts to understand and grant us that commitment, O God, to respond in obedience, that we might know the fullness of Your joy, the fullness of Your blessing, that those around us, O God, might see the glory of our God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think about when you pray, Hallowed, or Father, Hallowed be your name? And how does this portion of the Lord's Prayer call us to a greater commitment? Last week we noted that Jesus instructed us to pray, Father. And that sets the whole tone of our intercession and even implies communion with our Lord. Father connotes an intimate time with someone who loves us, who has assumed responsibility for our protection and care. Father is someone who's concerned about who we are, what we're thinking. How we're feeling. Listen to the freedom that the psalmist expresses in Psalm 88. I'm only going to read a portion of it. But you can see that there's a very intimate relationship. He has confidence in that relationship. It's a relationship, I think, that we would describe as someone who addressed the other person as Father. But listen how he exposes himself and his feelings and emotions. You simply don't expose yourself this way to someone that you don't trust. Someone you don't know cares for you. But in Psalm 88, 2-8, the psalmist says, Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul has had enough troubles, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength. Forsaken among the dead, 
like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested on me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon You every day. O Lord, I have spread out my hands to You. And the psalmist goes on, bearing his soul for nine more verses. One writer has commented that most of the psalms are like Oreos. You know, you have uh, the praise and the thanks to God, then the petitions, and then back, or the, the, the sharing of the struggles, then back to the trust in God. The closest you get to in this psalm is the opening phrase where he calls him the God of my salvation. The rest he just pours out his soul. You say, why would they put a psalm like that in there? Well, I think God included it because there are times when you and I feel that way, aren't there? Times when we just feel like it's all you can do to pour your heart out. And you're struggling so much and you're so weak at that point, you're so down and overwhelmed. That, that that's all that flows from your heart. But we can only do that because we address Him as Father. And He loves us as His children. And yet, He's God. He's not our buddy. He's not the guy next door. He's not the good man upstairs. He's God. And so we also pray, Hallowed be Thy name. First thing we want to look at is that God's name is His person. The name of God is an expression of His character and His essence. In Exodus 33.19, Exodus 33:19, quote, "And he said, "I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim my name." In other words, I'm going to proclaim my essence to you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you." Psalm 20, verse seven. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name. Or in other words, in the person, in the name of the Lord our God. Ezekiel 20, verse 14. But I acted for the sake of my name. In other words, I acted for the sake of my character, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations. When a psalmist says in Psalm 33, 21, For our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. 
You see, name isn't just, oh, that's what he's called. But it, it connotes, it carries with it the very essence, the very character of who God is. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, hallowed be Your name. He's calling us to give honor to God Himself for who He is. Now, there are three basic names for God that Scripture uses. There's, I mean, there's a lot of descriptions of God, but there's three basic names. One is the Hebrew Elohim. Your Bibles translate that God. Sometimes it's shortened just to El. Elohim, just El. It conveys God as the transcendent one. The one who's over all, who's magnificent, who's all-inspiring. One author said this. He defined it this way. Superhumanly strong with an inexhaustible life in Himself. One on whom everything that is not Himself depends. I like that. One on whom everything that is not Himself depends. In Isaiah 45.5, says, I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides Me, there is no God. There is no other transcendent one. There is no other magnificent one. There's no other God that is all-inspiring. He says, beside Me, there is no God. No one on whom all else depends. In Psalm 18.31, we read, Who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? In other words, who is the strong one? The one we can depend on. So the first primary name of God is Elohim. The second is Adonai. We translate that Lord. In your Bibles, probably you'll have Lord and Lord, and you might have noticed one is capital L, small o, small r, small d. And then you have Lord where it's all capitals. Now, I don't know if every Bible makes that distinction, but many of the translations do. And that distinction is that where it's capital L, small o, small r, small d, that is the Hebrew Adonai. When it translates the word Yahweh, or Jehovah, it uses all caps. And we'll talk about that name in just a second. But the word Adonai, Lord, means the one who rules over everything. Everything that is external to himself. In Psalm 2, 1-4, Pastor Barnes read a portion of this this morning. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh, against His anointed. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord, Adonai, the Lord scoffs at them. He scoffs at the proud rulers of the earth because He is the ruler of the universe. And He's not impressed. 
The third name, primary name of God, is Jehovah or Yahweh. It means Lord, and this is when you see in your Bibles, it's all caps. This is the Hebrew that is translating. This is a personal name of God by which he identified himself to Israel when, or well, Moses. When Moses was going down into Egypt, Moses wasn't in a hurry to do that. And he said, well, listen, I'm going to go down there and they're going to say, who sent you? And God said, answer it in this way. In Exodus 3, 14 and 15. That he was their covenant God. He said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is God's name. The others sort of describe who God is. This is His personal name. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. So it's very personal. It, it, it reflects that covenantal relationship, that intimate relationship we have between us and our Heavenly Father. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're committing ourselves to setting Him forth with each of the three primary names in mind. Elohim. We praise God as a transcendent. Magnificent, all-inspiring One who has life in Himself. Adonai. We praise Him as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings who rules sovereignly over all of creation. Yahweh. We lift Him up as a lover of our souls. He who is faithful and true. The One who has graciously entered into covenant with us bound Himself to us with promises and sealed it through the death and resurrection of His Son by giving us the Holy Spirit. All of that is entailed when we pray, Father, hallowed be Your name. Second, we're to set Him apart Personally, personally, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we keep our intimacy with the Father from degenerating into sentimentality or sentimental familiarity and disrespect. And I think I sense that in our culture that has happened to some degree. I don't know, you know, your thoughts on this, but I, I cringe when I hear someone pray, "Dear Daddy." It, it, I know it says "Abba, Father," but that that word carries with it uh, connotations of more than just the the familiar "Daddy." And I think, "Hallowed 
be your name keeps us from degenerating our, into sentimentality without that respect that it ought to have. The word hallowed is from the Greek word agiazo. Agiazo can also be translated holy. It means to set apart, to consecrate. It embraces, one author said, it embraces omnipotence, eternity, and glory, and invokes all. Hallowed, agiazo, holy is your name. God commands that we hallow His name. In Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes His name in vain. Now, we generally, I hear that many times, not always, but oftentimes just sort of preach that, okay, so you shouldn't use God's name as a curse. It is far more than just that. It means to take His name upon us to be called a Christian and yet to live an ungodly life. That's taken the name when we do that. That's taken the name of our God in vain. In Exodus 36.23, we see that God often acted to hallow His own name. We read there, quote, I will vindicate the holiness of My great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove Myself holy among you in their midst. God will move to sanctify His name, to hallow His own name, if His people fail to do that. So when we pray, hallowed be Your name, we are committing ourselves to glorify Him in at least three ways. One, we hallow Him with our attitude of heart. We commit ourselves to that. This is what Paul is speaking of in Ephesians 4.23, where it says, "...and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind." The context is, he's saying that you have the Gentiles, the unbelievers who live this way, you're called to be children of God, and you're called to live differently. And he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, work on those attitudes of heart. Work on those desires and wants. The things you take pleasure in. Be renewed. Don't just continue to live and think and respond and react as an unbeliever. But learn what God wants. And when we do that, we're hallowing God's name. We're setting that name apart. We're consecrating His name with our lives before a watching world. Again in Romans 12:2, And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, mind and heart are often used interchangeably in the New Testament. But he's saying we need to be in the Word. 
We need to study the Word so, number one, we know what we need to change, and we need to be in the Word sufficiently so we know what we need to change to. That's the process of growth in Christ. That's what we call progressive sanctification. Every time we come to the Word, we ought to leave just a little different. When we sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word, we ought to leave just a little different. As we sanctify, as we learn to hallow God's name in our behavior, in our thoughts, in our patterns in our lives. The psalmist said in Psalm 19.14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. You know, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? God just doesn't call on us to conform outwardly to His standard of holiness. God doesn't say, okay, listen, when you hit your finger with a hammer, you stick your finger with a sewing needle, just keep your mouth shut. No. Children, God says to you and me, when we are disappointed, when we are upset, we're supposed to think holy thoughts. When your sister has just done something that really jerked your chain, or your brother, you and I are called to actually think godly thoughts. You say, you say to your mom or dad, oh, I didn't say anything. But God is asking, what did you think? As adults... You know, we, we, uh, we uh, learn to conform to the societal norms around us. But God calls us beyond that. God calls us to conform our thinking, our attitudes, our wants, our desires, the things in which we take pleasure, to conform that to His Word. Hallowed be your name. We're committing ourselves to consciously set forth the glory of the Lord in our thoughts and attitudes of heart. Along with that, we're called to hallow Him with our tongue. James says in 3.9, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. How can we claim to be hallowing God's name with the same tongue, we assault our fellow man created in his image. He continues in verses 10 and 11, James 3, 10 and 11. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. How does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? When we say... Hallowed be thy name. We are called to hallow God with our tongue and the use of our tongue. We're to say in the words of Ephesians 4, 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as one is good for edification. Is what I'm about to say going to build the other person up, or is it going to build someone else up? Two, according to the need of the moment. Is this necessary? Is this helpful for this moment? Kids, you know how to push mom and dad's buttons at times, don't you? You know how to say just the right thing at the right time sometimes to get them. This passage says, no, you're not supposed to do that. You don't push buttons. Or your brother or your sister. How about... When you've just been in a fight and you pushed your brother or your sister and they pushed you back. And just as they pushed you back, mom comes around the corner. And your brother or your sister gets the spanking for being unkind. And they come out of the bedroom and they have tears in their eyes and you meet them around the corner. <laughs> Is that according to the need of the moment? No, isn't it? God's not pleased with that. Third, according to the need of the moment, that it will give grace to those who hear. One person said we ought to breathe grace on each other. Hallowed be thy name. In Hebrews 13.15, or in, yeah, uh, we read, Continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to His name. Again, in Proverbs 25.11, Like apples of gold in settings of silver are words spoken in right circumstances. Now, there are many... Many passages in Scripture on the use of the tongue. And when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are committing ourselves before God. And when we pray that corporately, Sunday morning, we are committing ourselves to every other person in here that hears us to honoring and blessing God through the use of of our words. Third way we hallow God is by our behavior. Again, this passage was referenced this morning. First Corinthians six, nine to eleven. Talks about fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. And then verse eleven says, Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, Agias. You were hallowed. You were set apart, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we commit ourselves to put off sinful attitudes, hurtful words, and behaviors as we personally, individually, set the name of God apart. 
So that when people see us, when they watch us in the workplace, when they watch us interacting with our spouses, when they watch us interacting with our friends and our children, they say there's something different about that individual. How will it be your name? Third, we are to set him forth publicly. Hallowed be thy name, or your name, also calls us to an evangelistic commitment. In John 17, 17-21, Jesus said, Sanctify them, agiazo them, hallow them, set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth, verse 21, that they may all be one even as your Father is in me and I in you, that they may be in us also, or so that the world may believe that you sent me. Our hallowed, hallowing God's name in our attitudes and our words and our behavior is a testimony to the fact that God sent His Son. It says to the world that knowing Jesus Christ makes a difference. That God has worked in my heart. That God has changed me to such an extent that I'm not that bitter, angry, sharp-tongued, resentful, spiteful, sarcastic individual that I used to be. That when I'm pushed and squeezed, kindness actually comes out. When I'm under pressure, I've learned to speak words of grace. And as others see how we treat those near us, it reflects on God's power and ability to carry out His plan of redemption. Now, He's going to carry it out. But as we hallow the name of God in our lives... Says to a watching world, God makes a difference. Peter exhorts each of us in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify, but agiazo, but hallow Christ. Set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you, to give an account for the hope that is in you. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are committing ourselves to actively demonstrating God's character through our lives to an unbelieving world. Hallowed be your name is a call to commitment. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we confess that we pray, hallowed be Thy name, on a regular basis, every Sunday morning, and maybe at times in between. And yet, O oh God, in our daily lives, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, we don't always consecrate Your name. We don't always hallow it. 
We don't always set you aside as holy and present you as, as powerful and almighty and loving and caring to the world. So, Father, forgive us when we fail and encourage us when we do. Help us, O oh Lord, to be stronger. Help us to listen more carefully to what we pray. And be gracious, O God, to sanctify us, to set us apart more and more. And to use us to set forth your plan of redemption. To use us, Father, as lights in a dark world to draw others to you. So bless us, Father, encourage us, strengthen us this coming week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.